thing I want to share is last week we started a series, uh, me and my bodyguards, I mean me and, and Cornell and uh, Greg, and uh, we are going to continue that series, but we are postponing it. Uh, circumstances uh, didn't allow us to get together to continue as we had planned, but as I've been praying this weekend, I realized that it wasn't just coincidental circumstances, it was designed. Holy Spirit design. I realize that because I feel like he's put a word in my heart to share with you. That's kind of a precursor to what we started. You know, we started a series on giving, you know, tithes, offerings, and that kind of thing. And, but I wanted to, I just feel like oh, I need to interject this uh, to share. And then next week, Lord willing, we will continue the series on giving. Okay? Everybody good with that? All right, if you're not good with that, we have prayer teams in the back that would love to pray for you, and they will help you. All right, what I want to talk about today is positioning yourself for financial breakthrough. Positioning, positioning yourself for financial breakthrough. I remember asking the Lord a while back, I was driving to go pick up my son or to meet or visit my son or meet with him, maybe have lunch with him. Or pick him up. I can't remember what it was. But I was on my way and I was, I was crying out to the Lord and, you know, financial, you know, needs and, and pressure and just like, God, just, just dump a bunch of money on me and everything will be okay. You know, that kind of, those kind of prayers. And, and I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, when will I experience, experience breakthrough? And he answered me very quickly. And it startled me because I was, I wouldn't, I don't know what I was expecting. I just wasn't expecting to answer that quickly, I guess. Shows me where my faith level was. But he said, when you walk in my financial principles, just that clearly and that simple. Hmm. When I wa- and I'm thinking, wait a minute, I is walking in your financial principles. What are you talking about? Because I was thinking of, you know, tithing, offerings, giving. I was thinking of that. Thinking, hey, if you're giving, you're good. God's covered, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking all those lines, but he showed me that's not all there is, all there is to it. And so I want to share four things, and there's probably more. I'm sure I don't have the, the, the whole list on this, but I just want to share four things that I believe if you align yourselves with these truths, you will position yourself for God to bless you financially. Do you realize that some of us are in a place that if we were to receive a huge financial blessing, it would ruin us. You realize that? So sometimes, out of God's mercy, he's not answering those prayers of, oh God, give me $3 million. Oh, please. We're just asking him for that because thinking, man, that would just change everything. Everything would be awesome. And I believe he knows that For a number of us, for him to do that would bring ruin and destruction into our lives. And some of you are like, let's at least try it. (laughs) If it doesn't work out, I'll repent and say, okay, never mind. Let's not do that again. But I just want to share four, four keys. Number one, first key to position yourself for financial breakthrough is submission to Jesus Christ. Submission or total surrender to Jesus and his kingdom. He said in in Matthew chapter 6, I believe it's verse 33. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
and all these things will be added unto you. And the things added unto you, if you read the previous verses before that, he's talking about needs. Clothing, food, shelter, those kinds of things. But he's, and they were worried about it. People were worried about, not that we ever have this problem, but people were worried about their needs being met. And he was saying, you know, you don't have to worry about that. Put God's kingdom first, your relationship with him first. And then he will take care of these things. In other words, you take care of God's business, and then God will take care of your business. Okay? Pursuit of a closer relationship with him is a higher priority, or it needs to be. In other words, how do you know if you're submitted to Jesus, if you're surrendered to him? Pursuit of a closer relationship with him will be a high priority. Not just in theory, but your life will demonstrate this. You're not just a Sunday Christian, but your lifestyle demonstrates that his kingdom is your priority. You know, because a lot of people can get excited and raise their hands and, and we can hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, on Sunday morning. But what is your life like? What, is, what are your priorities Monday through Saturday? And so it's not that we go to church and do our due diligence of, okay, I gave my time on Sunday. Now the rest of the time is mine. And then we do our own thing and then expect God to bless that. That's not how it works. We're totally surrendered to him. We come here together on Sunday morning to fellowship, to encourage one another, to worship corporately and and all the other wonderful things that happen. That's just a part, a, a small part. The other part, the Monday through the rest of the week, your relationship, your love, your worship with him continues. But believe it or not, not a lot of people are like that. Sunday morning is it. That's all they give. As a matter of fact, some people who, are, who say they're Christians, their co-workers don't even know that. Like, oh, I didn't know you were one of them. And that shouldn't be that way. People around us should know, especially if you work with them day in, day out, day in, day out. They should know what your priorities are. Not by you preaching at them all the time. But just by your lifestyle, that you're connected with him, your job, your desire, your, your purpose is to honor him and make him known. And when you are totally submit, when you are submitted to Jesus and he's your priority, then your job will not just be a place where you go and gather a paycheck. But you will see it as a place, an assignment to where you go to make him known. You see, some of us, we just see our jobs as a place, you know, I work, I give them my time, they give me money, and that's it. And there's that, that process. You do what you're, you're paid to do, you, get, you grab your money, and you go on. If you live life that way, you're going to be very bored and very, going to be uh, very unfulfilling. But you can have the, I believe you can have even the most menial job and be very fulfilled if you see that job as an opportunity an opportunity to impact someone's life for the kingdom in other words when you're at work and you're doing let's say if you work on an assembly line or something like that or you work in a a job where 
You're just doing these things. But you're praying and saying, Lord, is there anybody I can pray for today? Is there anybody that I can encourage? Is there... And you know what to encourage means? To put courage in? To encourage, to give courage. Do you think people around you might need to be encouraged? So imagine if you go to work daily and you're looking for opportunities just to encourage. That's your assignment. Okay, Lord, who can I bless? Who can I encourage today? Who do you want to impart strength and encouragement to? Is there anybody, what opportunities do I get to lay hands on somebody and see them healed? Now again, I'm not saying you have to go and preach all the time. You may not even have that opportunity. But if you show people that you care and you just care for people, I guarantee you'll be given that opportunity. Because at, one, at some point in time, they'll say, What's, why are you the way you are? What makes you tick? Why are you this way? You know, everybody else seems to be reacting to circumstances, unfavorable. You know, we all got a pay cut or, or whatever the circumstances that are negative, And everybody else seems to be grumbling and everything. But you seem to be different. What's up with that? I want to know. And then you'll be given the opportunity. Amen? In Luke chapter 16, verse 13, it says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We cannot serve God and money. And I think the reason why he says that is because we will serve God or money. But some of us think that we can do both, so we're trying to do both. But he says you can't. Now, if Jesus says you can't, then guess what? Well, I'm going I'm to prove him wrong. That's not going to happen, is it? You cannot serve God, both God and money. So that means you need to serve God, honor him, and let him take care of the money situation. And number two, so the first one is total surrender to Jesus and his kingdom. Number two, and this is a big one, being content. Being content. If you want to line yourself up for financial breakthrough, you have to get yourself to a place of being content. Philippians 4.11 says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have, ever, I have learned how to be content with whatever, whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. How many of us have quoted that verse? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ. You know, a lot of times when we quote that verse, we're taking it out of context. Now, the truth is, the reality is that we can do all things through him that gives us strength. But what he's talking about, the context is, in every circumstance, I can be content because of the strength of Christ in me. Read a few more verses. 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 through 12. But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. But we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering, with these we shall be content. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. 
Read that again. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. And some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? So you see the importance of being content. Being content. But we have the ability to do that because of the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And that is an extremely important thing that we need to grab a hold of. And one thing that's going to help us to to walk in more contentment is we need a perspective change. Remember we talked about when we go through trials, one of the first things we have to do is our perspective has to change. When we view everything, in when we view our current life as the most important thing, I got to have it now. When that's the most important thing in our focus, then we're going to be very susceptible to uh, discontentment, to discouragement, to frustration, because it's like, I got to have it now. I want it to change now. But when we see that, you know what? I'm going to be with God forever, even if this circumstance lasts for 5, 10, 15 years. I know that it's not going to make a difference 100 years from now. I mean, it's not going to hurt me 100 years from now. Actually, it can make a difference because how you live now will make a difference 100 years from now. But contentment is a thing that I believe that, uh, well, it's very important. We need our perspective change. How do you know if you are content? Well, you have peace when it comes to finances. Do you have peace when it comes to finances? I'm asking you to answer out loud. But do you realize that you can be, because see, Paul said, I've learned to live in all circumstances. He's been hungry his stomach growling, probably going to sleep hungry at night. And he was content in those situations. And he had plenty. And he was content in those situations. So he was saying, in any situation, and we know that Paul's been through a lot of stuff, I've learned to be content. I've learned to be at peace. I've learned to trust and be at peace with God in those circumstances, in any circumstance. And that's what he wants for us. And Paul said, remember, he said, I can do all things through Christ. I was able to do that because of Christ in me. So even when circumstances are frustrating, are when money, when you have more month left than you do money. You know what I'm saying? And there's like a few days left. The money's gone. Like, hmm, a few more bills to pay. Hmm. Do you realize that you can be at peace in that circumstance? Because the word is God says you can. I'm not saying be happy. But you can be at peace. So do you have peace when it comes to finances? Are you okay with not having the latest or newest stuff? 
you know, we, Lisa and I have a name that we call these magnets. They don't do it as much anymore. But remember back in the day, some of you older ones? When you get these J.C. Penney's or Sears catalogs in the mail, remember those them big old hunkin', especially around now, Christmas time, you get this big old catalog. Or Finger Hut. Anybody ever heard of Finger Hut? Those are bad. Bad. With only 10 payments of $3,000, you can own this. You know, they were just bad things. But you know, the, well, Lisa and I called those discontent magazines. Because what would happen? You'd be just fine. Life is wonderful. And then you start looking through the catalog. And you start seeing all the cool stuff that you don't have. And all of a sudden you want it. Oh my goodness. Especially as a kid. I remember looking at those as a kid. I'm like, ooh, I want that. And you're, ooh, ooh. A lot of oohs and I want, I want, I want. All of a sudden you just had these desires that were asleep. They were awakened. And now you want all this stuff. You know, it's funny because you can be watching an innocent kid cartoon. And what are the commercials that they put right between those things? These brand new toys, sparkly, shiny, beautiful toys. And the kids are like, Daddy, I gotta have it. You know, they just go crazy if they don't have it. All of a sudden, they were fine one minute. And next, they gotta have it. You know, the the I-12 comes out. I gotta have it. You just bought the I-10 yesterday. But the I-12 is out today, and no longer are you content with the latest model. You've got to have the newest one. See, there's all kinds of things in our society that encourage us to be discontent. And we get caught up in all this stuff. You know, the, the movie, the, the commercials, the, uh, what do you call them, the previews, the trailers come out. I've got to see it. I've got to see it. But you don't have any money. I don't care. I've got to see it. I'll put a third mortgage on the home. I'm going to see that movie. And so we do have to be careful what we allow to come into our soul. And you know one, uh, you know a good fix for discontentment? It's a good fix. It's a powerful punch that will jolt you into reality. But if you've never been on a mission trip, just cross the border into Mexico. All you have to do, just go to Mexico. Go on one of these mission trips into a third world country or a less developed country and your perspective will change immediately, drastically, and quickly. As a matter of fact, it was one of my favorite things to do as a youth pastor because I was just mean. But to take these kids (laughs) on a mission trip and all of a sudden they would see they would, they would be overwhelmed. Their senses would be overloaded and overwhelmed by the sights and the smells and the, the sounds and that kind of thing. And it's like, oh my goodness. You know, like the kids living out by the garbage dumps and people out in the garbage dump and just the smell that just fills. I mean, it's like you can't, can't take it because they're burning the garbage and there's just the smell. There's flies. When you drive out there, your vehicle is filled with thousands of flies you can't get away from the smell. And then you see kids out there, barefooted, shorts, and, and they're digging out through this trash. And it's like, what are they doing? What are they doing? Well, a lot of them are collecting glass and collecting collectibles or recyclables so they can go get money to buy stuff. 
Some of them might be finding food. I'm not sure. But it is a very sad situation. But you go and, you know, we're, I'm crying because I can't have my I-12. I go in a situation like that. I get, sna- I get snapped into reality like, whoa. This is, um, I'm pretty grateful with my I-10. How do you know you are content? You are genuinely happy for those who have an abundance. You are genuinely happy for those who have an abundance. In other words, you know people or you're around people who have abundance and you don't. And you can genuinely be happy for them. If you're not content, then you will not be genuinely happy for them. Matter of fact, you'll be struggling with jealousy, envy, frustration, judgmental attitudes. Because you'll assume and and project onto them, well, they got that because they're crooked. I mean, how many times do we villainize rich people? We think, well, they had to cheat or do something crooked to get all that money. And we may not necessarily vocalize this, but in our subconscious, that those thoughts can be there, especially if we're discontent. Because if we're frustrated, man, all I need is a little bit more, just a little bit more. And then we see people that have plenty. And it's like, man, if I can just have a little bit of what they had and see, then your attitude and your heart becomes contentious towards them. Can you, be, can you rejoice with someone when they all of a sudden get a financial blessing or God blesses them? Boom. Can you rejo- say, praise God, instead of, where's mine? Hmm. God, do you, are you aware of how often they go to church? Compared to my attendance record, spotless, by the way. Hello? I think that was the wrong address you sent that to. But can we say, God, thank you for blessing that person. And I just pray that you get them even more. Get them, God. If you struggle with discontent, if you struggle with that, if you walk into someone's home and it's just like knockout, and you struggle with jealousy or envy or whatever, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Because Jesus said to bless those who persecute you or pray for your enemies. You know that whole that whole. Um, Package of scriptures right there. Well, that can apply in this situation because currently you're viewing that person as your enemy. So what you can do is bless them. So if you feel like this this discontent or this frustration or this envy is rising up in your heart, say, God, bless them double what they have now. Bless them, oh God. Bless their family. Bless them with health. And I mean... And just like when we're talking about when people have offended you and you've been hurt by people, how you bless and pray for them and God turns your heart. Remember that? We talked about that in the past. You can do the same thing for people that you're struggling with envy towards. Bless them. Because you may not realize it, but these things, these conditions of your heart and your soul will steal your joy. They will steal your peace. And I'm I'm sharing from personal example, from personal experience, not theoretical. I've struggled with with attitudes before. 
Why them? Why not me? Where's mine? Do you know how long I've been serving your kingdom? Do you know how long? Do you know how faithful I am to you, God? Doesn't that sound like the older brother in the prodigal son story? Doesn't it? I've served you faithfully all these years. It's like, who had the worst attitude? Who was worse in that story? The prodigal or the older brother? They both had some issues, didn't they? And we can look down our noses at the prodigal, the one who wasted their money and not recognize the self-righteous bad attitudes that we have in our heart. That's like, God, deal with my heart, my attitude. I don't want this stuff in me. How do you know if you're content? You are not ensnared by the feeling of, I got to have more. I got to have more. Do you believe that? Do not answer this out loud. But do you believe that your situation would be better if you just had more money? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And I'll explain that more in a second. You will know you're not struggling with, you know you're okay and you're content if you are not susceptible to the get-rich-quick mentality. Now, Lisa has struggled with this. My Lisa, Lisa Ellis. I'm being silly because actually we've fallen victim to some of these things. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day. How many of you have ever prayed... You know, you're praying and crying out to God that you need finances and this and this and this. And then you go home and in the mailbox is the opportunity that's going to change your life. You know, one of these financial things. Has that ever happened to anybody before? That is, isn't that crazy? I'm serious. I remember one time I was here praying and, and I'm crying to God. <laughs> God, you know, and the more tears that I know he hears me more. And I'm just crying and, and, you know, and I go home. This is when we lived on Arrington. And I get the mail. And in that mailbox, that day, is, I don't remember what it was specifically, but it was, it was an opportunity. It was going to bring money fast. You know, one of those things. Matter of fact, you've already won this stuff. All you have to do is call this number. And then pay this small price compared to this wonderful prize. I think it was $599. Not that we did it or anything. You pay this $500. And of course you don't have the money. So you put it on a credit card. But you're going to get thousands of dollars in return. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I find it interesting that when you're praying and praying and praying and crying out to God and all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden the opportunities pop up. You're on the internet and you're in that, situ- that, that frustrated state of discontent and all of a sudden the internet, boom, here's the opportunity for you. You know, if $29.95, you will have the opportunity to generate and then you see these people holding these checks. I make $300 a second. And like, ooh, $29.95, dude. Yeah, I got 30 bucks. You guys know what I'm talking about? Now, I know none of you have participated, but you have friends that have. But see, if you struggle with discontent, then you will be susceptible to that. 
multi-level marketing techniques. Done a couple of those myself. You know, but see, those things are set up because you're going to help people. You're going to change their lives, right? You're going to change their lives. And it's not that those things are bad. It's not, I mean, some of them are. Some of them are just downright illegal. But some of them are genuinely, the product's okay, they're, they're okay. That's not, it's not the, the thing, it's, but how you get caught up in these things and you just want money. And this promises a lot of money real fast. See what the Bible has to say about some of that. If it has anything to say about that. Wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time, Proverbs 13, 11. The trustworthy person will get a rich reward, but a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble, Proverbs 28, 20. Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. Isn't that amazing? Greedy people try to get rich quick, but don't realize they're headed for poverty. Proverbs 28, 22. You know, gambling, lottery, schemes for making money fast. Why are they so addictive? Why are they so prevalent? It's because we are discontent. We're discontent. And we get susceptible to these things. You know, I've heard this before. And I was asking it a question you know, just think, if all of a sudden you had $10 million, boom, here you go. $10 million. Taxes have already been paid on it. It's yours. Would that make your life better? Possibly. But I, was, I came across this article last night. I'm going to read it, try to read it real quick. It says, it seems as though uh, two guys named Begin was deliberately trying to rain on Lincoln's parade when he and his partner... LePage sent out a Wednesday warning that Nebraska's Powerball winner's joy may be short-lived. The reality reality is that 70% of all lottery winners will squander away their winnings in a few years, the Connecticut financial advisor said in a news release. In the process, they will see family and friendships destroyed and the financial security they hoped for disappear. 70% of lottery, lottery winners... That's 7 out of 10. So that means 10 people in here get blasted with a kajillion dollars. Seven of them, their lives are going to be ruined. Isn't that amazing? It says, ouch, if you're one of the lottery winners, that is. The authors of a book about how success often destroys families, Began and LePage said they, they know firsthand the destruction sudden wealth can cause. We know from studies and from our own internal research that when new wealth is created in a family, there is a 90% probability that all of that wealth will be gone by the third generation. LePage said in the release, and that's among families who have worked hard for years to achieve success. When people receive sudden wealth, like in a lottery jackpot, the numbers are much worse. Worse yet, said the advisors who have searched clients in 18 states, winning a bunch of money doesn't build character. It reveals character and magnifies all of the good and weak traits the winner lives by. Began said in a telephone interview that they are not trying to drum drum up some business with Nebraska's newest multimillionaires. Their point was to say it's not just about the money. Began said he has had a couple of lottery winner clients and his studies and worked with people whose net worth is $5 million or more. 
Statistics show lottery winners often go bankrupt, get divorced, and have family feuds. And it goes on and on and on and on. But isn't that amazing? We think, $10 million, I'm good. Statistically, most people can't handle it. And I remember, I remember praying prayers, you know, for truckloads of money. And I realized, man, would my character at that point have been able to handle that? You know how you see these young guys, these, these people who are like 18, year, 18, 19, 20-year-old athletes. They all of a sudden, on Monday, they're living my paycheck to paycheck and barely making it. On Tuesday, they have $50 million in the bank. And it's like, well, because they get these huge contracts, this, this money that's just crazy, these amounts of money. And then you see them on the news all the time, and they're jerks. And it's like, I thought that dude was a cool guy. You know, like going to OSU, some of these OSU athletes who make it big in the NFL or NBA or whatever. I mean, I thought that guy was cool. I thought he was an okay kid. And you realize he wasn't because all of a sudden, see, the, I don't believe the money changed his character. I believe all that money revealed his character. That money enables him to live on a big scale what he's really like. And so what happens is if we don't know how to deal with and handle money on a small scale, the Bible says, he who is faithful with little, he will be faithful with more. If I can entrust you with a little bit, then I can entrust you with more. Jesus taught those, those principles. And we think, if I can just have more, it'll be all good. Let me ask you this question. How many of you were making X amount of dollars in your life, and then maybe over time you've made, let's say from, in a five-year span, let's say you're making ten more thousand dollars a year than you were. Let's just say that, Okay. But you find yourself in the same financial problems that you had 10 years ago or 5 years ago. In other words, your, your wealth increased, your money increased by $10,000, but you're in the same predicament that you were when you had $10,000 less. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, what happens is, is if we don't know how to handle our money when we have a little bit, what makes us think, I have a lot of money, all of a sudden, I'm going to be financially responsible. What makes us think that? We think that having a lot of money is going to fix things. It may fix some temporary things. It may call the the dogs off if you've got collectors hounding you. I mean, it may do some temporary things like that. But in the long run, if you are not financially um, uh, responsible with what you have now, you will not be financially responsible if you were given a bunch of money all of a sudden. Because your character is still the same. Getting a lot of money doesn't change your character. I mean, you hear what I'm saying? So the third principle, be faithful with what you have. Luke 16, if you are faithful in little things, you will, have, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust with you the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And we know the parable of the talents when Jesus, he shared the story of the, of the landowner 
He gave one guy ten talents, one guy five, and one guy one. He goes away for a while, comes back, and the guy with ten, he said, here, master, not only is your ten, but I got ten more. He says, wow, that's awesome. High five, you know, chest bump, all that kind of stuff. Enter into my reward. They celebrate and have a party. Second guy, he only had five, but what did he do? He took that five and he doubled it. And, you know, the owner didn't say, well, you know what? You only gave me ten. I wish you would have done what the other guy did. He didn't do that. He he got the same reward and the same encouragement from the master as the guy who had more. He said, high five, chest bump, awesome. Let's have a party. Guy had one. What did he do? Oh, no, I'm scared. He buried it. Hit it. Lazy. The guy comes and and he chews him out, chastises him, says, you wicked and lazy servant. You could have at least put in the bank so I can come back with interest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He took that from him. The one he had was taken from him because he wasn't faithful with it. And it was given to the one that had 10. And this guy was chastised. If you are faithful with what you're given, he can entrust more. And see what I'm realizing when the Lord told me that one day when I was driving towards Oklahoma City, Lord, when am I going to experience financial breakthrough? And he said, when you walk according to my financial principles. It was that quick, that simple. And I've been learning. I thought it was just about giving. Financial principles isn't just giving tithes and offerings. That's part of it. But we can think, hey, I give. I give regularly. And we think because we're doing that, then we're being financially um, mature we're being we're doing what we should be doing that's part of it and if you are then great but there's more to it than that one quick thing i want to mention how do you become more faithful with what you have now now i'm about to say a bad word and you're gonna have to forgive me okay i might need you guys to to act this to cut this out from the tape the word budget budget i said it again Hey, you guys take that off the tape, okay? Some people get offended at that word because they see it as bondage. What do you mean budget? Do you live on a budget? Well, uh, yeah, really? Well, not really. It's all in my head. A budget is a written plan. That's all it is. It's a written plan of what you're, what you're going to do with your money. In other words, keep the math simple. You make $1,000 a month. You bring it in. You have your budget is what every dollar is going to do that month. Every dollar. Not 800 of the dollars, but 1,000 of the $1,000. You have a budget written down, or you can use the, the, the software or whatever, but you have a plan, so before you get that $1,000, you already know what you're going to do with it. So then when that $1,000 comes, every dollar has a name and has an assignment. You say, okay, God, y'all, go do your thing. Paying the rent, paying the electricity, paying the groceries, paying this, paying that. And, it, and then if you have anything left over, like, wow, I don't have anything left over. Then you can get in a prayer line. <laughs> but a budget is a financial plan. If you are not living on a budget, then you are not being financially responsible. Period. Because there is no way of knowing what your money is doing. You can spend, you know, when, um, listen, to, I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. I like listening to Dave Ramsey on the radio. I like reading his books and everything. And, and he was talking to some people. One thing I found fascinating is he would talk to people who were making like $20,000 a year. 
and they were struggling, didn't have enough to meet their needs, they were in debt and all this kind of stuff. He would talk to people who were making $100,000 a year. They had the exact same problems. And the person making twenty said, if I just had a little bit more money, it'd be good. And then he's talking to the people over here making 100000 a year. And they said, if I just had a little more money, it'd be good. Just having a little bit more money is not the, not the answer. Unless you're being financially responsible with what you have, then he can entrust you with more. Remember him talking to one lady because they were talking about, you know, getting on a budget and, you know, paying off debt. He gives you these steps you follow, paying off your debt and everything. And he says, you need to find extra money that you have in your, in your, money, in your budget and then throw it towards the debt, et cetera, et cetera. She goes, I don't have any extra money. And then talking to her, she realized that she spent $100 a month on Starbucks. But she did not realize that. Because all she was doing was going through the drive-thru every day, getting her caramel macchiato. Is that how you say it? Never mind. Okay, hot chocolate. What is it called? I thought that's what I said. What's the difference? Anyway, anyway. But, and then he was talking to this one guy. This truck driver who spent $200 a month on beef jerky and pop. And he didn't realize it though. Here's the thing. He didn't realize it because here's what he'd do. Every time he went into the, to the convenience store, you know, he paid for his guests, he would buy beef jerky. What does a package of beef jerky cost? Yeah, six, seven bucks and a, and a, you know, a, a fountain drink, $1.29. Truck driver on the road a lot. Boom, 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 boom. $200 a month. Just like that. If he had a financial, if he had a budget, a plan, he would see, whoa, that's where my money's going. Because here's what people do. Some people, they get $1,000 a month. Woohoo, I'm rich. I got $1,000. Man, remember them Jordans I saw that I wanted? You know, the nice $500 pair of shoes or the, that movie I wanted to go see or the I-13 that's now out. Hey, I can afford it because it's only $300 and I got $1,000. You see where they're going wrong already? Then they take that $300 and go buy them the I-13. And then they pay the rent because they want to have a roof over their head. Then the month, there's a few days left and they realize, I don't have enough to pay for my electricity. I'm $300 short. How could that have happened? Lord, I thought you met my needs. I know that sounds silly, but I talk to a lot of people and that's where they live every day. And I'm not talking about you're, doing, you're being diligent and paying everything you can and you don't have enough money still. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about not being responsible with what you have, spending, buying uh, caramel, maki, whatever's, yeah, and all that, or whatever it is. And I'm not, I'm not picking on Starbucks people, except that one. <laughs> so anyway, we have to be faithful with what we have. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to do a budget. Obviously, I don't have time for all that. But I want to encourage you. You have to get on a budget. And some good resources. I forgot to put them out this morning. I have a few books left. Uh, Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. Excellent resource. Excellent book. It'll, if you are interested in, in this kind of thing, it'll really encourage you. I have some resources I can put out later. Um, anyway, last thing. Number four. 
Live a life of thanksgiving versus grumbling and complaining. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. We can live a life of grumbling, complaining. I never have enough. I'm always broke. I'm always poor. And you can grumble, whine, complain, that kind of thing. And how good is that going to work for you? Probably not too good. Or you can rejoice in God and say, God, help me, teach me. I thank you that you provide for my needs. I'm asking for your help. And thank him for where you are. You know, if you have a $1,000 need and someone comes up and gives you and says, you know, brother, I feel like the Lord put on my heart to give you this. You know, like, oh, they gave me $1,000. And they put a $10 bill in your hand and you don't look at it until they leave and you open up it's a $10 bill and you're like, what's that going to do? Think about that. The Lord put it upon that person's heart to bless you. That $10 could have been a tremendous sacrifice to them. And they're out of obedience trying to bless you and you kind of spit on it because it's not going to meet the great need that you have. Instead of saying, God, thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you. Lord, bless that person that just gave me this. You know, there's a man, I'm going to close with this, man that was sharing on the importance of living a thankful life. And he was using this, he picked this one guy out of the, out of the, out of the congregation and used, was using him as an example. And he said, suppose you had a, a great financial need. And he took a penny. He said, I came and gave you this penny. You know, what would you do? And it's like, <laughs> a penny. My need, and this guy's need happened to be $50,000. He had a $50,000 need or needed, you know, a miracle. I don't know what all the circumstances. Anyway, so he said, I gave him a penny. He says, what should you do? He says, I should, thank, I should be thankful for that penny. Yes. The Bible talks about do not despise the day of small beginnings. Being grateful. God, thank you for the little things in my life. Thank you, Father, for blessing me with this. And he said, what if I gave you a dollar? What, what, what should you do? And he said, thank God for that dollar. Well, during the break, that man left. They all dismissed for lunch. That man left. And they, his parents had a house on the market that had been stuck there for several, a long time. I can't remember if it was several years. It was a very long time. And they had determined that if they sold the house, they were going to give their son $50,000. Well, guess what happened during lunch? The house sold. So this guy came back grinning from ear to ear. And this was the man that he gave the penny to and then gave the dollar to. Interesting, huh? Let's not despise the day of small beginnings. But if you're very discontent, then you can't thank God for the small blessings or the seemingly small blessings. Let's all stand together. The one thing I'm excited about, I haven't seen the breakthrough yet 
like the dump load, you know, the, okay, $10 million, bring it. You know, I haven't seen that yet. But what I'm excited about is I'm experiencing more contentment, more peace in my life. Even though my circumstances may not be peaceful, I'm experiencing more peace, more rest. And I'm realizing what the Lord said is coming to pass. When will I experience financial breakthrough? See, we equate financial breakthrough with a, a truckload of money. Financial breakthrough is when you have peace, financial peace. That may include, it may have something to do with a large amount of money. But even if you don't have that large amount of money, Paul said, I've learned to live in all circumstances. And I'm learning that in my circumstances current, I'm praying for God to help. But in the meantime, I can live at peace in this circumstance. And I can bless my friends who get blessed. Or who are blessed. And I can be happy. Genuinely heartfelt happy for them. And not jealous. But I can't say it was that way a few years ago. But I'm so excited because peace inside is worth it all. I can lay my head down at night. Me and my wife don't fight over money. Because she's going to lose anyway. But we don't fight over Pray for me. We're on the same page when it comes to finances. And I'm just so excited. And I'm, I'm seeing, you know, blessings, you know, things that are just coming my way are just so exciting. Desires in my heart, just boom. It's awesome what God is doing. And he wants, you know, my prayer has been, God, bring financial breakthrough in this family, in this church family. I'm praying that is my prayer for you. I pray that, and I'm going to continue to pray that. But I just wanted to help encourage you to see what it looks like. Because I believe God's positioning us so that he can entrust a truckload of money here. That he can entrust you with a bunch of money, and it's not going to ruin you. Amen? Okay, God, you can trust me now. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love, your encouragement. Holy Spirit, make your word real to us. We thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. And I do pray for financial breakthrough for this church. I pray for financial breakthrough for every individual, every individual family in this place. Help us to come into alignment with your word, your truth, so we can gladly receive and you can entrust us with all that you want us to have we thank you father for your goodness and we love you in jesus name amen amen god bless you You guys have a wonderful wonderful week see you next time 